Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hey, you're looking good, baby. Looking good. Wow. Filling her up, aren't you? How many of you have been getting my Wednesday night messages on? Okay. If, if you haven't gotten those, you can sign up in the lobby to get an inspirational call on Wednesday night, motivational, whatever you want to call it, scriptural. The idea is, since we do not do a midweek at this time, that the idea is for us to stay connected during the week. And I'll read a scripture, I'll share something with you. Uh, a week ago, this, this, this sermon today was kind of dropped in my spirit about 10 days ago. I did not finish this last week, so I'll finish it up this week. Uh, but the idea of God make me instead of asking God give me. Uh, it's real easy, and, and not that God doesn't want to give. He said if you give, he'll give back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But before God gives me anything, he needs to make me capable of handling what he gives me. And so the thought came to me that the greatest trade that we have to offer God is us for him. Me for you, God. In other words, all that I am, which you'd say, well, why would God want to take that trade? Because God always allows us to trade up. That's how come he says, you give me your sin, I'll give you your salvation. How many of you know, by man's standard, that's not a good trade? I mean, it's just not. God says, but, but I paid for it, so I want your sin because I've already, I've already paid for it. It's not something we would go purchase, but he came to earth to purchase our sins so we could have a relationship with our Father. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 38, um, I will go back to that passage or refer back to that passage of Scripture. It's the story of Hezekiah. And uh, Hezekiah had been a good, faithful leader, a faithful man. And, uh, and all of a sudden, he finds himself in a very, very difficult situation. And this is one of those make-me moments where he's going to have to determine whether or not he's going to allow God to make him what he needs him to be in order for things to turn around in his life. Oswald Chambers put it this way, the spheres of God uh, brings us into our, that God brings us into are not meant to teach us something, but to make us something. In other words, those spheres that God brings us into are not just there to teach us, but to make us. Now, how many of you know that you can learn something and you can memorize something but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a part of you. If you uh, went to college and you were preparing for an exam, I don't know, maybe some of you have this incredible memory, but when I would study for an exam, I studied just long enough so that I could remember the material long enough to pass the test in that moment. After the dadgum test was over, I didn't really care if I ever remembered it again. And it got me through the test. But how many of you know what gets you through the test doesn't always get you through life? You have to get the test in you and get it through you instead of you getting through the test. So that when you are tested, the next time you are tested, it's so in you that you remember the test and you remember the answers. So when you're going through a crisis as Hezekiah is about to go through here, that you know who to call upon. You know you can look to God. You know that you can trust in Him. Why? Because the last time you took the test, 
you remember how faithful God was to get you through the test. And that you remember that time, you go, I know what to do when it gets difficult. I know where to turn when it gets difficult. Knowing where to turn, the direction to turn, is a big part of life. Oftentimes, when people are going through a divorce or a tough time or a crisis, guess what? Oftentimes, people turn away from God, not turn to God. They turn away from God for two reasons. One, they're mad at God. Or number two reason they turn away from God is they think they're the one that caused the problem, and you may be, but God knew you did, which is why Jesus died. So people turn the wrong direction, and when you turn the wrong direction, guess what? You end up in the wrong location. So critical here that as you face crises in your life and difficulties in your life, that you know what to do and where to turn, what to say, how to respond, how to appropriately turn to God and say, God, I know why I'm in this place, or I don't know why I'm in this place, but you do, and I'm turning to you. Very, very important that we know how to respond to crises. So Hezekiah hears from Isaiah. Isaiah says these words, put your house in order, you're going to die. Now, if you heard those words, you just have to think for one moment and go, how would I respond if a prophet, a man who hears God, in fact, a man who would have a book in the Bible named after him, comes to me and says, you're going to die. Don't you think that's a pretty trustworthy statement? But Hezekiah didn't respond, well, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be which is a lot of people's way of responding to crisis. Well, you know, there's a reason. Probably my fault. Bad things happen to bad people. No, bad things happen to good people too. And Hezekiah knows he's a good man. And he goes and he, he, he does the right thing in response to this. And the Bible says he turns his face to the wall. In other words, he turns to the right direction. And the Bible says in history, he's facing the temple of God. How many of you know that today's temple in our world is God's church? Amen. The church will never be outdated and it will never go away. The world would love for all church people to believe that the church is antiquated and has no place in society today. Look, we're all going to heaven anyway. This is one new theology. We're all going to heaven. Everybody just doesn't know it. Can I help you all with something? Don't drink that Kool-Aid. Because we ain't all going to heaven and we just don't know it. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is a criteria. Now God wants everybody to be saved. Jesus has paid for everybody to be saved. But not everybody gets saved. Not everybody turns to him. If I told you today, listen man, I went to Audi of Oklahoma and uh, yesterday and I bought you a brand new 2017 A7 Audi. If all you all taking notes, that's what I really want. Anyway, so um, if, if I told you I went to Audi of Oklahoma, I paid for the car, it, the keys are waiting, and your name is on it. Guess what? That car doesn't become yours until you go get it. It's already paid for, but if you never get it, it never becomes your car. Now, it's got your name on it, but you don't have the keys to it. So Christ... In essence, what he did was he says, I paid for everything. It's all taken care of. Now come and get it. Many people say, well, you know, I don't have time. Church is irrelevant. And let me just tell you something. The church is not irrelevant. As a matter of fact, this is the lifeboat to your future. Yeah. 
I promise you better things are going to happen here at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning than your booty sitting on your deck. I just, I just had to let that soak in. I will never bow my knee to a theology that eliminates the church as valid and necessary today. You are better when you gather together than when you hang alone. We are better people. And after all, can we not give God an hour and a half of our week? Jesus help us. Well, I'm busy. You're not that busy. You're not that popular. I don't care what you're telling yourself. You ain't all that. You did some of that. A little of that. Some of you all still looking for that. <laughs> so Hezekiah turns his face toward the church, toward the temple, and he cries out to God. Listen, God is working in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And he needs your permission to do a work in you. You can do a lot of stupid things, but God's one thing supersedes your stupid things. And the, the prodigal son did the right thing. He turned in the right direction. He goes and he squanders all of his father's inheritance. When he went to his father, he said, Father, give me my inheritance. And the father, being the man of integrity that he was, said, You know what? I told you it was yours. Here it is. He didn't want to give it to him. He wanted him to stay home with him and be a part of the family. He goes and squanders it on wild living. And in and, and, and his darkest moment, sitting in a pig pen, eating what pigs eat, the Bible says he came to his senses. That means he had a moment, an epiphany, a revelation, a moment where he went, hold it, even my father's servants are better off than this. They eat better than this. And it says in that moment, he went back to his father's house, and this time, instead of saying, Father, give me more of my inheritance, he went back and said, Father, make me like one of your servants. Until you can say, make me, all the give me's in the world don't have a place to land right. In other words, if you're going to have something, you need to be made to be able to contain that which God gives you. And so we need to understand that this is about me for you, God. So what happens? So he, he changes, trades his consternation for communication with God. Never stop your communication with God. Don't pout on Jesus. You know how many people pout on God? Well, he's ain't going to church no more. You think for a minute... That you can exhaust the patience of God. God's sitting there going, okay, I can do this all day. Matter of fact, I can do this for eternity. Pout. We pout. Hezekiah could have said, hold it, time out here. I've been a good guy. And he goes on to tell God how faithful he's been and how much he loves him. And when he turns his face to the wall, he begins to communicate. It's not a time to go silent when you're in crisis. It's not a time to just stop and say, I'm not going to do anything about my situation. If you don't like your situation, do something about it. Make some changes. Change things in your life. As we look at the fall, it's always a, every pastor looks and goes, you know, I know what time of year it is. You know, summertime, everybody's out getting a tan, the filthy Oklahoma rivers, lakes. You look at what's under those lakes. My God. Anyway. Water was not meant for humans. It's meant for fish. 
Unless you want a pool, we'll go there. You can see the bottom. There's freaky stuff crawling around under there. It's time to exchange your concession speech for a confession conversation with God. Change your concession for confession. How many of you know you've watched political races and said, you know, the concession speech is about to be given, which means they have been defeated. It's over. And we have too many Christians and too many people who have faith in God that in a moment of crisis begin giving a concession speech instead of a confession speech. I'm going to confess that greater is God in me than the devil in this world. I have a confession that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I have a confession that if my enemies come at me from one direction, they're going to flee in seven. I have a confession greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I'm turning my face to the word of God. Hezekiah says, holy... Isaiah, I know you're a man of God. I know that you're prophetically accurate. I've heard your prophecies. But let me tell you something. I'm not going anywhere. And you women, you got the hip thing. I think that even adds. Bam! You can finish a prayer and you like all bam up in here. And God goes, wow, do you see that hip movement? You got some attitude. And you got to have some attitude with God. You can't just be sitting there going, I guess a worm. Going to get eaten by one of those dirty Oklahoma fish in a lake. Yeah, worm. That's the way a lot of people see themselves as just worms. Just worthless and no value in your life. How can you go to God with these scriptures? Because you know that you've been bought with a price. That the value of your life is directly corresponding to the value of his son. He gave his life for you. You're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So don't freak out. Cry out to God. Turn in the right direction. Change your confession. Proverbs 18, 21 says, out of the message, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You will follow the words of your mouth, the confession of your lips. If you start saying, I can instead I can't, Start watching and see what happens in your life. Things will begin to change for you. I'm not telling you you'll change anybody else, but you'll change you. And when people start watching you change, guess what? It's possible they will change. You can tell your kids go to church, but if you don't go to church, they're watching you. And, and they need to see that your words and your actions line up. I believe in the house of God. I believe in the person of Jesus Christ. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. All of these things are necessary as we communicate and we confess the word of God. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so whatever you say does make a difference. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you really have faith in God? Never give the devil a clue that you have any concern. A few signs of freaking out. God, why? What did I ever do? Nothing. But anyway, so, just kidding. I've been no worse than any other person I know. We're not going to make it. Faith is a refusal to panic. Faith is a refusal to panic. I own a, a place where the eye of the hurricane hit Friday night, 10 o'clock. I'm watching the Weather Channel. 
and I'm looking at my small town, Port Aransas, Texas, Mustang Island, just south of San Jose Island, and they're going, it's 10 o'clock, the eye has now made land. And I'm looking going, and I wonder if it made my house. I, and I fought. I mean, I fought all weekend. My faith was fighting. I, I'm going over insurance thoughts. And if you go online to Port Aransas South Jetty News, you will see the town destroyed almost. Rockport just up north of it. I'm sitting here going, fighting the fight. I, I'm, see, I'm a type A, so I'm a realist with a positive twist. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm the kind of kid that says, I know I'm going to get spanked, so let's just get it over with. When I was a kid, I say, Dad, pull over, you know, that kind of thing. I, I, I wasn't so positive. I, go, I, I know I can talk him out of it. I just thought, I'm just going to be positive about it and go, ouch, that hurt. Are you done? And so I had to keep my attitude and my heart right. It was a fight, you know. I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I was just fighting all weekend, staying positive. And uh, I got a picture right before church this morning that mine is still standing. Don't know if there's water in it, but it's still standing. But there are times of adversity that you look and you, instead of saying, God, why me? I just turn my face to God and say, God, somehow this is going to work. Somehow we're going to get on the other side of this. Somehow. Don't know how because I don't know if there's water in it. I don't know if the roof's on it. Now I know the roof's on it. I know it's standing. Now I don't know if water's in it. Now I don't know if I can get in it this week. They're not letting anybody on the island as of yet, but some of the news reporters and some of those things. But you have those issues where you have to say, you know what? Whatever the devil meant for harm... God's going to turn for good. God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, I, I do take care of business. I'm very diligent about that. But at the end of the day, I'm looking and going, I win, devil, you lose. At the end of the day, the Bible says the steps of a good man, a righteous man, are ordered by the Lord. Let me tell you something. Life is not to be lived randomly. It's to be lived righteously. A righteous life is not a random life. That means that there are things that we do in response to what God has already done. There are things that we say in response to what God has already promised. In other words, we, we, we don't want to exercise doubt, fear, and unbelief. Because faith is what moves the heart of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So every time you have a confession of faith, it brings pleasure to the heart of God. Now, I'm not talking about living in denial. Jesus himself said, in the world you have tribulation, but he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. So what has to happen is realizing that you can speak honestly about the crisis you're in, and you should, because if there is no crisis, there's no miracle. What makes a miracle so great is you're looking in the face of adversity and reality. Jesus said the reality is you're going to have issues in the world. He didn't say, hey, it's all going to be cool. If you ever have any adversity, just deny it. Declare it's not there. He said, no, go ahead and acknowledge in the world you have tribulation. He said, but hey, take heart. That means you have to possess the courage. Courage will not possess you. You have to possess courage. You have to grab hold of it. You have to take it. You have to take steps to get there. You have to walk it out. You can't just, it's, this is not magic. Some people think church is magic. Poof, it's there. No, we have a role to play. Faith without works is dead. And so we connect with God through faith. 80% of success, one person said, is simply showing up. Now, let me give you a couple of church scriptures here. 
Because this is where we get grounded. Every week we gather together in the name of God collectively. And where two or more, there he is in their presence or in their midst. Psalm 92 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted where? In the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Scripture doesn't change because of technology. I'm thankful for people watching online. I really am when you can't get here. But if you're just chilling like a villain in your PJs. Psalm 52.8. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Let me tell you. There's a reason Hezekiah turned his face toward the temple. He knew where God was worshipped. And he turned his face in the right direction. And guess what? He got the right response. God said, I am going to add 15 more years to your life. And then God speaks to Isaiah and said, go back and tell him I heard him. You know what? God really has your best and my best at heart and mind. And we have to turn to him. We're always trading up with God. If you wanted to trade in for cars, where would you go? You go, go to a car dealership. Get rid of your piece of junk and get something better. Guess what? Guess where you go to trade in things for God? You go to church. This is a great place for me to trade up every Sunday. I'm trading up in the house of God. Every Sunday, I'm casting my cares upon him. I'm trading my cares for no fears. I'm trading my cares for a peace that passes all understanding. I'm trading my sadness for a joy that's unspeakable. I'm going to church to make a trade today. I'm making a trade with you, God. The elixir of love. <laughs> he made a bold statement by turning. And lastly, exchanging your former for your latter. I won't stay here long. But understand that you have to let go of what was to grab hold of what is. If you want to get to the other side of the lake, you got to leave one side of the lake. The one you're on. you got to go. you got to get there. Paul put it this way. He said, I forget those things that lie behind. Everybody has memories. We all do. And there's nothing wrong with having memories and possessing good memories. But you can't hang on to the past and possess your future. You have to let go. I was thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah when God told Lot and his family leave. And he said these words, do not look back. Do not look back. There's nothing back there for you. There's nothing back there for you. Everything I have for you lies ahead. And you may remember that as they were leaving, the Bible says that Lot's wife, who was behind him, foolishly, longingly, this is the Amplified, looked back towards Sodom in an act of disobedience and she became a pillar of salt. She couldn't let go of what was happening. The pleasure that she even saw or whatever her participation was, she couldn't let go. And her life was stopped in that moment. You just have to let go of some things. You just have to say, God, I'm moving forward. And whoever wants to walk with me and go with me, they're going to have to look in the same direction as me. It's how come the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. 
is because when you're unequally yoked, in the Bible, that meant there were two oxen. And equally yoked meant that the yoke fit perfectly on the shoulders of both oxen. That it was perfect. So one of them wasn't pulling more than the other, and the other one was having his shoulder, and they, they were being rubbed raw. They were perfectly yoked. The yoke fit perfectly on both of them. And so that when they walked together, they pulled together equally in equal strength and effort. And sometimes we hang on to former things that we're no longer yoked to, that no longer work for us. They were good for a season, but this season's a new season. And God's saying, let those things go. I remember when my kids were young, I quit golfing because I, I needed to spend time with my kids. And I, I just needed to help around the house. And it was a season. Let me tell you, there are seasons in life. Be sensitive to seasons. God may have you fast some things for a while to let go of some things that once worked for you, but they won't work for you anymore. Things have changed. Times have changed. Situations have changed. And, and sometimes we just have to let go of those things as hard as they are and say, God, we're going to do a new thing. Why? Because you're doing a new thing, God. And I want to be a part of that new thing that you're doing. You know, I don't know what's going to happen here in the fall. I just believe that God's going to fill this place up. I do. I believe that God wants to do something brand new that's never been done in the history of church leadership before. I believe that. I, I have to believe that every week, that God, why would I come back here every week? I know you guys may get tired of hearing, but I'm just making a confession that God's going to show the world that you may, you may knock somebody down, but you can't keep them down if they're willing to rise up and stand in faith. You can't stop them, and you can't hold them back, and you can't hold them down. And that's really all I care about is saying, God, I just want to show the world that you are who you say you are. That leaders are no better than followers and that we all have mistakes and issues in our lives. But God, I rise up and I choose to believe that greater are my last days than my former days. My better days and my best days are ahead. And I, you say, well, how do you know that? Because I just know God. The Bible says we're going from glory to glory. That the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Let me tell you, you're going to hang out with me. You better bring your sunglasses. Because the pathway I'm on is fixing to get really, really bright up in here. So, you know, if you're not happy, you're not going to like Mosaic because we're just happy people. And, and if not, we'll shoot you a Red Bull and you'll get really snorting happy real quick. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and wings. All right, so the latter will be greater than the former. The latter part of your marriage, the latter part of your life, the latter part of your business is going to be greater than anything you've ever experienced. And right now you're facing bankruptcy. There's some of you in here facing it. And let me tell you something. God is going to so supernaturally turn your life around. What you thought and the devil thought might have destroyed you, God's going to use it as a spring to launch you into your future if you'll obey him. I promise you. It's not over. Until it's over. And it ain't over yet. And, and the metabolism challenge lady is not about ready to sing. You, you know what I'm saying, don't you? It ain't over until the fat lady sings. Ain't no fat lady no more. She's just metabolism challenge. No longer housewives. They're domestic technicians. We've changed everything up in here. Don't get mad at me. Just feel sorry for me. <laughs> kind of. 
latter part of your life, the latter part of my life is going to be so much greater. You know, the devil really thought he had me a couple years ago. He really did, and I just defied it. I just said, you know what? Greater is God in me. I got so much life left to live. Devil, you're going to be sorry you ever knocked me down because I'm going to hit you in the mouth. You messed with the wrong person. You messed with the wrong guy. There ain't an ounce of quit. I don't even have a cue in my vocabulary. Hmm. Wyatt down with no cue. No quit, baby. No quit. No quit in your life. No quit in your family. No quit in your future. No quit. Don't you quit. You rise up and you fight. You walk. You stand. You believe. You run. You do whatever you have to do, but you look ahead. Don't you look behind you because what lies ahead is better than what lies behind. Yeah.